So hi, welcome to the Tea Break podcast. This is the first episode that we're doing, the first recording we're doing at the Transit City event down in London. And today's first talk was um, Student Ambassadors with Vicky Rowland and Neve Storey. So welcome both. Say Thank hello. You. Thank you for having us on. Yeah. I'm really excited about this topic because you know, on Wednesday, one of the big events coming up is the Student Ambassadors um, event that you, I think you planned, Vicky. Yes, our launch event. The launch event, yeah. yeah. It's been a long time coming, hasn't it? And that's finally here. Um, yes, yeah, the big one. Um, we are hosting around about 50 people on Wednesday, um, wow. just down the road with one of our partner sponsors, Barclays. And yeah, we're expecting a day of um, fun-filled events and lots of empowerment and inspire, uh, inspiration, which we can probably talk to a little bit about shortly, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's kind of delve into why do we need to have a student ambassador's event? Sure. You know, you're going to get a lot of people who may, may be at the very start of their careers. Um, what, what will this give those people when they go into, you know, so when they go into their workplaces, yeah. what kind of skills and will this empower them with? I think from an employer perspective and obviously that the candidate perspective and the student perspective is far more important so we'll come to you in a minute but from an employer perspective just um, having a, a sort of generation of people that are coming into the business to bring diversity employers need to be ready for that and if they're not ready for that they're going to be found out quite quickly um, so not only are we inviting students from campuses across the UK to come along but also apprentices grads and interns of our, our corporates in, in the UK as well and the idea is, is that they will come along to this amazing event and go back to employers and say, hey, Transcend City are doing this incredible student ambassador programme. You know, we should be partnering there. Um, from your perspective, being on campus, what does it mean to you? Well, I think from a student perspective, having this really definite show that employers are concerned about being trans and non-binary inclusive and that empowering students is a massive, massive part of building a more diverse workplace. Um, trans and non-binary young people have to believe that they belong in these environments and believe that they can access them as their true selves um, before we're going to see any real workplace change. And so that's kind of my main aim for Wednesday, really showing them that not only do employers care, but actually they are entirely deserving of these opportunities. Yeah, so where I work, we have a lot of ERGs for all the different um, kind of characteristics, mainly which kind of align with the Equality Act. Yeah. Um, but so, sometimes it's quite difficult for young people. We have a lot of early careers who do apprentices. To, like, you know, there's lots of different programs as graduates mm -hmm. or apprentices. You know, it depends which way you come into the company. But I, I think they, they sometimes struggle to get involved with the ERG you know, especially the LGBT one, because it's it's kind of it's a bit of a click sometimes. You know, it's kind of it's difficult to get into. So I'm just I'm just wondering, um, you know, with with students being given this opportunity on Wednesday, they'll be able to take that back to their places of work or study. Yeah. So and you know, it's going it's going to really kind of empower them absolutely. to know how to handle those situations to know how to talk to senior managers, yeah. you know, and to, and to maybe bring forward different kinds of projects and, and, you know, know how to do it. So hopefully you'll be giving them those 
skills yeah. at least starting that process I think a lot of the workshops are designed particularly for that you know around building confidence building resilience and so forth and real essential toolkits it's, it's funny you say because when I think of ERGs I think colleague success network because that's yeah, what we call them at SAGE yeah. and um, yeah I have to sort of retrain my brain to see ERG but we're really proud at SAGE to have um, in fact one of our lead ambassadors Mel Polman who's joined us at the panel on Wednesday um, they are actually one of our pride network leads at SAGE so it's interesting when you say about young people finding it quite difficult to find their way in, in ERGs or CSNs, um, at SAGE we're proud to say to apprentice grads and interns, hey, do you want to take a leadership role? So within their first couple of years, they're actually leading these, these colleague success well, networks. That's great. Um, and as I said, you, you, you'll meet some of them during the week. Um, Neve, what about you? Do you think that what, the skills that we're teaching on Wednesday, do you think that that's going to be really well carried back onto university campus as well? I think they're vital. I mean, a lot of trans and non-binary young people, um, myself included, can remember going into rooms and thinking that you had to limit your identity and not confront kind of the people that do have power, which tends to be at the moment um, cisgender people who are in positions of power, and having these empowerment sessions and learning how not just to respect your own identity within these corporate spaces or these positions of power, but use it as the strength that it is. Um, and I think, yeah, our empowerment sessions are really, really key to that. And also visibility is key, right? And yeah. seeing such amazing people around the room, including Bobby and, and Emily. Yeah. You know, seeing yourself represented at senior level in corporate makes you think, that, that can be me. You know, I, I, I can see myself represented at a senior level. And that's really important. It is. I mean, I can't emphasise that enough. You know, I mean, from my own experience, I mean, I'm quite old when I transitioned, but, you know, had, had, that, had I had the confidence earlier in life and yeah. those things have been in place, you know, I would have probably done it a lot earlier. Yeah. Um, so one of the things you wanted to talk about, um, Vicky, was authentic employees. Yeah, it's, I get a real bee in my bonnet with this, yeah. don't I? Um, I, I? Yeah, I, I quite commonly say that, that Gen Z, particularly candidates, can smell the BS a mile away when you are looking for a role. And let's face it, we see a lot of pink washing these days. Yeah. And we see a lot of companies going, hey, look, we're celebrating Trans Day of Visibility. Well, okay then, but what are you doing the rest of the year? Where's your trans inclusion policies? You know, where is the network supporting these people? And where's the progression route for your trans and non-binary apprentices? Where are they going to be in five years? So while you might look like you're attracting colleagues and doing a really good job, that colleague will join the business during onboarding week and go, hang on a minute, everything you promised me about being in the graduate program and it's really trans-inclusive is not here. See you later, I'm off to somebody else that is. So be authentic as an employer. Make sure that when you are in your recruitment drive, everything you say you are doing, you are doing because this amazing generation will find you out really quickly. Yeah, and it's not, it's not just recruitment drives. I mean, it's all the kind of, you know, the back, the backroom yes. policies within the HR departments Exactly. You know, a lot of them are not really set up to cover non-binary people, especially. And, you know, that, that's probably also true for, in a lot of cases for trans people. You know, yeah. the, the wording is, is normally a bit, you know, suspect. Um, it's like, how, how, do we, how do we make sure that, you know, young kids going into these jobs, you know, they know that, you know, it's not just, as you say, pinkwashing, but there are yeah. real policies in place. Yeah. to support transitioning at work and all the things that, you, you, that will kind of come across as blockers in the workplace because there's, there's a lot of things that you kind of have to navigate when being trans or non-binary, you know, with all kinds of policies. 
And I think it's really, you know, as you say, if it's pink washed, you know, you, that's all. Not, it's none of it's going to be there. Yeah. So, you know, how does a how does a young person know that the company they're going to work for or, or just started working for is inclusive? I, I mean, how how do how do we find how do we kind of help them yeah. to know that? So, from from a employee perspective, the minute they step into our assessment centres, which are virtual, um, they'll complete a video interview. And at the beginning of the video interview, there's a video of all of our wonderful colleagues at Sage, and we haven't handpicked people, it's not tokenism, it's our genuine teams that are diverse and include trans non-binary people. So the minute they apply for a role in the early careers programs at SAGE, they see themselves represented. And that carries through, so when they are at the assessment centre, um, there's a presentation that talks about all of the colleague success networks. Um, so right from the very get-go, if you're doing those things well, you, you're already winning in my eyes. Things like having pronouns on lanyards, yeah. that's really important, mm -hmm. and having visibility lanyards as well. There's been a lot of debate about whether lanyards should be used or not, but I think it's an identifier. So the minute you walk into our office in London Bridge, you look across the room, you see a sea of lanyards, and you think, I'm in a safe space, and gender-neutral toilets. It can be really, really difficult when people are in shared office spaces, but making sure that, again, you know, if somebody is coming in, if you're suddenly presenting them with a room full of urinals and saying, we have to use this, instantly you're not you're not inclusive so working around ways ways of um, making people feel really comfortable and feel at home immediately um, what do you think Neve? Um, well from someone looking at it as a potential employee I think having your trans and non-binary employees being front and center when you're delivering that every company at the moment will have a pride network or should have you fingers crossed they have one. Yeah. Um, and they will have some policies that are meant to be inclusive but a lot of the time that is tacked onto the end of pitches to students where they say we're a great company and here are our inclusion policies rather than actually having members of the community come forward and say we are at the center of building these policies these policies are not targeted at trans and non-binary young people they have them at the center of them and are built around them and informed by what we need um, so yeah I think Again, it really all drags back to visibility and trying to make sure that trans and non-binary young people can look at a company and go, I will not be the only one there. And the other people that are at this company are actively trying to make this a better place to work. I'll give you an example, if that's okay, just as something I just thought of as things like maternity leave mm -hmm. policy. Yeah. You know, maternity and paternity, we're talking like, sort of very binary, we're talking two genders here. Um, we've worked with a company to ensure that even our maternity policy, um, or parental leave policy as it's called now, is inclusive of everybody. And having things like that, people say, oh, what's, what's your maternity policy? We say, we don't have one, we have a parental leave policy. Eliminating that usage of, of gender yeah. in specifics, that's when you can see the difference. And as you say, Neve, consulting with people, not just taking something that you think the DI team think are right, actually consulting people in the community and saying, hey, this is actually what we need, and then bringing it into HR policies. That, to me, is a progressive, evolving business. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the kind of key policies that needs to be in place and understood, you know, is when, when a trans person wants to do a name change, I mean, that can cause a lot of problems because some companies' systems, HR systems, don't allow, you know, for that change to be made. Yeah. So is that, is that something that Sage has been able to resolve? Funny enough, um, because we are sort of the technology behind a lot of CRMs right. and, you know, databases, Sage accommodates it great 
the problem lies is when we try to communicate with HMRC. Yeah, of course. And they go for yeah. binary gender. So we're like, well, hang on, we've got MX and we've got person who's non-binary. Nope, they can only be Mr. or Mrs. What do you mean they can only be Mr. or Mrs.? But how can an accounting company suddenly dictate to somebody like HMRC that you have to change? But trust me, we have a little campaign going at the moment yeah. to make it happen. Because the HMRC doesn't recognise non-binary people no. at this time. And you are stuck with Mr. and Mrs. And yeah, and you can only change it by exactly. producing a gender recognition Certificate. Yeah, so you could only you can only go as far as the UK government system sometimes yeah. are set up for. But what matters, I think, is to see that companies are challenging that and you know trying to break this this normative society that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, you know, the government HMRC definitely needs to make changes in that area. But I think I think companies in the meantime can make sure their systems absolutely you know accommodate everybody. Yeah. yeah. You know, even though it doesn't probably match up with the HMRC yeah. system, but I think there are ways to do that. Oh, definitely. Massively. I mean, just to jump in, as someone that has gone through a name change experience yeah. um, through the government systems, the number of hoops that you have to jump through, and it's a really, really circular process. You go to your bank and they say, we need to have this example and this example before you yeah. can change your bank, and then you go somewhere else to get those pieces of. Uh, th those documents and they say well we need a statement from your bank saying that you've changed it yeah. and if employers can do one thing to make it easier actually they can not just facilitate name change but they can be an active driver putting anything from work in that name change can make it ten times easier for a trans and non-binary person to access the government side of it um, so yeah actively trying to help your employees on that front even where it is difficult on the HMRC side which Again, another labyrinth of everything and everything they can throw at you. Um, yeah, I mean, name changing is a is a really, really vital part of some people's transition, and it's one of the things that gets bogged up in admin when yeah, it really absolutely. doesn't have to. So, I mean, I think the really important thing is you need to know if you're changing your name. You know, you know, the company might be asking for documentation. Um, and a lot of companies make the mistake of saying you can't change your name unless you have a gender recognition certificate, whereas we all know you can just do it with a depot. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be a, you know, an official depot that's gone through the courts. It can be one that you've done yourself because they carry equally, you know, le legally. Yeah. yeah, my depot yeah. I did myself and you can write it up in 15 exactly. minutes. But the number of things you look at and they go, right, send me £70 and you'll get a essentially Word document. Um, and it's just having that information out there. Yeah. Support employees. So I think I think the message there is that employers should, you know, change allow people to change the name of the system using the minimal amount of, you know, documentation such as photo ID or passports, driving licenses, you know, or you know, even um, maybe even they shouldn't ask for a depot because yeah. you can get into that situation where somebody joining a company who's already transitioned, you know, they're not gonna get questions on anything because they're just gonna say, Okay, yeah, fine. But someone who transitions at work, you know, they've suddenly got to change everything. And then there's this demand for paperwork, which isn't always applied to new hires. So there's, there's lots of kind of strange things that go on like that. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think, you know, what we're talking about here really kind of gets to the nitty gritty of those, those issues. I think you hear the term breaking down barriers a lot. Yeah. And we want to see that put into practice. You know, as you say, that, that there is a massive barrier and that's yeah. something employers can do something about. So break down the barrier, please. Yeah, and then giving you know giving people who are coming on Wednesday, you know, all this kind of information. I think it's you know it's really helpful. Yeah. yeah so well, thank you for having a, a quick chat with me.
It's been great. Um, so on Wednesday, hopefully, we can have, have a few more interviews with some of the students. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.